0: Welcome to A Little Louder Now, a podcast produced by The Bridge Initiative and FI 360 Project. I'm Tara McBride. We are so excited to kick off our interview series with Kim Grigo-Kyle, President of Horizons Sustainable Financial Services. Kim is an AIF designee and her company focuses on socially responsible investing, community investment, and shareholder activism and how they align with the values and financial goals for her clients. In this episode, Alicia and Alex spend some time with Kim to talk about everything from the challenge of connecting with millennial investors, why mentorship within the industry is so
1: critical, and whether she will retire someday. So here it is, A Little Louder Now with Kim Griego-Kyle.
0: She's joining us today from Santa Fe, New Mexico.
1: Tell me about yourself, Kim. I'm Kim Griego-Kyle and I'm president of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. I have been doing uh, social investment, sustainable investment for 20 years, 20 years in November of 2018. So I'm a little over that now. And I started in this industry doing only sustainable investment. That's where I've been for the last 20 years.
0: That's really exciting. I find that that's very interesting, the role of how money and business and ethical buying and how that content has become more to the forefront recently you know, people only putting their money towards things that they want to support. I think it's really interesting that you focus on sustainable investing.
1: Yeah, I I am quite sure I would not have stayed in this industry if this was not my focus. It's really been a passion for me, social justice issues, women's issues uh, since my early years in college. Oh, so long ago. (laughs) Um, So I I think that's what's kept me in this industry and, and kept my passion for it. It's really been great for me. And as you said, it's really a growing industry and we we can you know we can talk about the numbers too? I mean, when I started, I think I, I'm pretty sure the numbers were one in every $12, and now it's one in every $4 is invested in some sustainable way. And that's really exciting,
0: right? I mean, you want people to be putting their money into things that they can get behind on an ethical level, on a moral level. And it's exciting to see more community investing and screening yeah. for socially responsible investments and actually becoming an activist as a shareholder. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. it's just really and,
1: exciting. And we've seen a lot of change in this business. And um, we've seen a lot of changes in companies and and a lot of things have happened over the last 20 years. It's amazing. What do you think
2: has been the biggest driver in the past 20 years in the switch to to
1: sustainable investment? There are so many drivers, but the the ability to file shareholder resolutions and push companies in the right direction and for companies to make those changes is a huge driver. And when we talk about that with clients, it's amazing for them to say, wow, my money's doing that. And in 2019, it's great because our company, Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, will be doing our first co-filing with a a mutual fund, and and, uh, we're very excited about that. So we'll be doing a a co-filing of a shareholder resolution this year. We're very excited.
0: That's great. And I think, and I don't know if these two things go hand in hand. Maybe you could shed a little light on it as you're in the industry, but I think as women are more involved in the conversation and more invested in what they're investing in, I think that the rise of socially responsible investment probably goes hand in hand with that. Would you disagree absolutely or agree
1: yeah it, it, that's very true I think percentage wise I don't have a statistic but I think percentage wise more women are interested in sustainable investing than than men I think it's just a, a slightly higher percentage okay so, yeah very true it is I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on
0: what women want from their financial professionals I mean that's
1: cute. yes yeah so you know 20 years in this business and you know I, I think there are some some very simple rules and you know I, I've, I've kind of roughly kept track of that and so you know it you know and I kind of make a little list and you know come up with these 10 simple rules for other people to think about uh, of what women really want from a financial professional. And, you know, first of all, when I think about that, you know, women, women really want to feel much more empowered about their money. And, you know, over the course of my experience, I've noticed that and they, they don't want someone taking over their money anymore. They want to work with someone who's going to help them feel powerful. They don't want their power taken away. And especially in this current climate, what we've seen in the last year. So that's the first thing. They they want to be heard. They don't want to be dismissed with their concerns. They don't want to be made to feel stupid for asking questions no matter how simple those questions are so i always tell i tell anyone this but i tell women especially there are no simple or stupid questions at all and they want someone who's relatable to work with so so that's number two you know in there are no simple or stupid questions and they want to relate to a woman who you know to, to talk to it's very important.
0: Right. And I, and I think that's interesting because a lot of women in the past, not all of them, but have been excluded from the conversations regarding their investments. You know, it's, been, it's been the husband going to a male advisor and there's just no female in that equation. And so for right. women to feel empowered, they want to be able to be comfortable to ask those questions, no matter how silly or basic they are. Not that silly, but right. they are. But they also want to be seen as an equal, as a partner. Absolutely. In the decision making process as opposed to give me your money and I'll make the decisions and you just worry about you. You know, that's not the kind of relationship people want
1: anymore exactly exactly so number one they want to feel empowered and number two they want to be able to be heard and not feel like their questions are stupid so I tell them that upfront there are no simple or stupid questions. ask me even if you have to ask me this ten times until you get it keep asking me I'm gonna tell you the answer and I'm gonna keep telling you until you really get it and you know number three you know oftentimes we don't give women credit for how savvy they are you know and and women feel like you know I don't really get this but you're really smart at what you do and I'm smart at what I do and you're savvy enough to get this and and they'll ask the hard questions because they want to understand it and women will ask me more questions about fees so we have to be careful about that don't try to hide it we need to answer those questions they want to understand how the transactions work how they happen how are we getting paid i have more women ask me those questions than i do men actually i think men are sometimes more intimidated because they think they should know but women want to know and they'll ask those questions so they're pretty savvy i think as
0: a as a female that invests I think that there's also the mindset of, it's kind of scary. Like if
1: you go in, there's
0: this mindset. If you go into an advisor's office, you're going to get taken advantage of, which is not true. Exactly. But right. it's much like if you go to buy a used car from a used car salesman, exactly. you know, like you want to see how everything is going to work. You want to be aware of all the things, if you will, right? You want to know how it's going to work because you want to make an educated decision and you want to be involved in the inner workings and you want to understand how that other person is benefiting and being a part of that conversation.
1: Right. Women are not afraid to pay us for what we do, but they want to understand how we get paid. You know, they, they fully respect the, the idea that we're going to get paid, but they, they do want to understand how it works. Yeah, we, we, we need to make sure we're asking those, re- answering those questions. And I and I think
0: it, it's a trust building thing too. If you're openly offering, hey, this is what I'd like to invest you in and this is how, you know, I get paid. If you offer Absolutely. that, I think that's a trust building issue because if you're not offering it, it seems like you're trying to hide something, even if you're not. I think it Absolutely. seems... And as
1: a fiduciary, we should be telling them Things up front right. anyway, so that's very important. You know, and and number four, you know, women really want a, a, a more holistic approach. Oftentimes, and, you know, this is not across the board, but you know, I, I see this more often. You know, they want a more holistic approach about their money. It's not all about risk tolerance to them. You know, for us, we have to look at that, but they really want a more holistic approach. They really want an advisor who's looking at the big picture because you know, women are balancing careers and family, and you know, they have to look at their entire life. You know, so many women are in that sandwich generation, and they're they're doing caregiving with kids and parents you know I'm in that situation as well so I'm you know I'm really I really relate to that piece you know I have parents who are in assisted living now my kids are grown at this point but that doesn't mean I'm not helping them <laughs> So, right. you know, my, my kids are young adult, but there's still always needs that have to be met. You never stop being
0: a parent. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Exactly. You never stop being parents. And then at some point there's grandkids and you still have your, your parents that you're dealing with. And so, you know, women are dealing with all of these pieces and they are the primary caregivers. You know, yes, men will sometimes jump in with that, but I'm sorry, it falls to the women. And so women need to look at all of those pieces because sometimes the women mostly are the ones who end up working part time or leaving their job to take take care of parents or sick children or or those things. They have to balance how are they going to fund their retirements when they're not working full-time or any of those pieces. They need an advisor who's going to help them look at all of those pieces.
0: Yeah, how do you invest while you're paying off student loan, you know, or or situations that may not be specific to women but may impact them more. Maybe that mother put off her her education until after her children were old enough to go to school and so now she's 35, has her education, but is now paying off a whole lot of student loans and is also trying to save for retirement while caregiving. It's alive.
1: Yeah, and I did that. I, you know, I mean, I did partially did that. I, I didn't finish my education until my kids were in high school. And then I put kids through college. And so funding my retirement was delayed. So I'm playing catch up, you know, and I built my business, which is a value, but I'm playing catch up on my retirement. So I completely understand how women get caught in that vicious cycle. So we have to look at all of those pieces and help women look at that. And so these are important things that financial advisors have to pay attention to and again it's not all about risk tolerance about looking at this big picture piece for women you know and then uh, you know number five i think is really important you know sometimes we think oh i'm a woman i'm going to connect with every other woman that is simply not true you know we we don't automatically just connect and you know all women are going to be drawn to us because we're a woman oh i have a woman prospect coming in great it's a sure thing it doesn't work that way you know we have to understand that you know it for various reasons we're not all going to connect and you know for an example is right now I find myself not connecting with young millennial women it's just not a connection I can figure out how to make you know it, you know we, we go to these conferences and these marketing pieces and they tell us that we have to connect with the millennial and I, I can't figure out myself how I connect with the young millennial women older women yes Um you know women in their 70s and 80s I connect with the uh, you know, I'm not in my 70s and 80s but I really connect with those women for some reason women in my age group absolutely we have a lot in common but I'm not connecting with that younger generation I have millennial kids but they're boys so I don't know how to connect with young millennial women <laughs> to figure that piece
0: out. I think that's a big question for the finance industry, you know, as a whole, right? I mean, yeah. how do you connect with the biggest generation since the greatest generation in a right. way that is going to be fulfilling for both of you? And how do you make those lasting relationships when their mindset is very different than the mindset of your parents and my parents you know, I am technically a millennial, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm not really.
1: <laughs>
0: I am <laughs> no. in head, You are
1: not. Yeah, yeah, How do I connect with you? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Think I, I think if I'd had daughters, maybe I might have more insight. But I raised two boys, <laughs> so I don't. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's the piece. Do you have daughters-in-law you know, yet? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. daughters-in-law.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't even have daughters-in-law. I mean, I have boys who are almost 28 and almost 30, and yeah, they're not married, so I don't even have daughters-in-law.
0: I would not suggest asking them after the first date, you know, the females, like, <laughs> hey, how can I connect yeah, you on no, a personal yeah.
1: level? Tell me how I connect with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have to give it some time. Yeah. yeah, I haven't figured that piece out yet, but it's okay because there are plenty of other, you know, potentials in, in the groups of women that I connect with, and someone else will connect with that age group, and that's okay because I don't have to connect with everyone, and mm-hmm. that's fine and that's the piece you know there there are other people who will connect with women in that group and that's fine though so, you know we'll we'll find we'll find a way number six is also really important you know women want education about their money and I I tell I tell all my clients but especially my women women clients that I want to educate them you know there's a study that fidelity did in 2015 that showed women want educator financial advisors and I've had other financial advisors tell me I don't want to tell my clients anything about money I don't want them educated because they're gonna leave but that's not really true you know I tell people People, they should be you know at least basically educated about their money and sometimes their eyes glaze over when I'm trying to educate them on some basic pieces but I tell them it's really important that you have you know they're like well that's what I pay you for and I I'd say but you just have some basic education on, right. on what you're doing because it's important not everybody's gonna leave because maybe you know you're a plumber and maybe I have some basic education like I can change a washer right but I don't really want to know how to plumb and right. you don't really want to know how to manage money and I'm gonna pay you to be a plumber and you're gonna pay me to be a financial advisor and that's okay yeah I- I think that
0: it's difficult because you're in a situation where you have a lot of knowledge and you want your investors and your clients to have some knowledge, but you don't want them to be completely blind because, number one, you can't have really an educated conversation with them about how you're investing their money if they don't understand. Exactly. That's step one, I feel, personally, but I I think that it's an interesting thought that they should all have some sort of knowledge and education. I think that that's really wise.
1: Right. It's different from being empowered, you know, the education piece is different than feeling empowered by your money because yeah exactly you can't have an educated conversation if you don't have some basic education like what is a mutual fund you know what's what's the difference between a mutual fund and a stock and a bond you know you Mm -hmm. you really have to understand those pieces so yeah and you know and then the the number seven um i I love this because you know in my experience and you know and women in my practice they've been less Emotional and a lot more practical about money and their investments over this last twenty years, and it's been an interesting twenty years, right? We've had some big up Mm -hmm. and downs. Um, You know, women are typically better investors. They they take less risk and they perform better over time. So women do not tend to jump in and out of the market. Some of my men clients do. So that's why they tend to be better investors and perform better. You know, in my experience, and I think other people probably have this experience too, or other advisors. You know, uh, my my male clients tend to be more nervous Nellie's than my female clients. And I I find that very interesting. So there's that. Your next Um, point
0: is very interesting to me. I'm very excited to talk to you about number eight.
1: Number eight. Um, Yeah. 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 Because you know, this has been my experience and and I've had women who come in here and say, "I'm, you know, my, you know, my husband has passed away and I'm leaving my financial advisor because he never paid attention to me." You know, so so I'm telling this to specifically male advisors. Don't ignore right. the women because yeah. when that male that man passes away and we know statistically men live shorter lives than women do, that woman will leave if you ignore her. If you only talk to the man in the couple and you ignore that woman, She's going to leave when he passes away.
0: Well, you fostered a relationship with half of the couple, but you haven't really fostered a relationship with her. So when he's no longer in the picture, what's really going to keep her there? Nothing.
1: She has no relationship with you, Mm -hmm. and you've ignored her, and she's been mad for the last 20 years because you've never paid attention to her and never talked to her other than "Hello, Mrs. Smith. Come on in." Right. And I have. And you've never looked in the eye. I
0: have heard something interesting is that um, another advisor had mentioned something similar to this, and she mentioned that advisors should say, well, when is a better time so that your wife can join us? Or should exactly. we meet separately? You know, would you like me to meet with your wife separately if your schedules won't allow, but I would like wow. to meet with both sides of you so that everybody's on the same page. So exactly. So make the effort, I think. Making the effort is it goes a long way with the woman, in my opinion.
1: Right. And if she doesn't want to come in, call her on the phone. hmm have a conversation with her on the phone you know make the effort because she'll leave that's all of the things that you're
2: talking about today are
1: things that to a
2: certain extent were touched on in one of our recent webinars yeah. uh, we, we had Alex Lundgren the other day talking about providing advisory and planning services to women yeah and number eight was one she specifically recommended
1: absolutely she yeah. talked a lot you, you about just can't, yeah you cannot uh, any, you, their financial yeah yep and y- yeah because if you ignore one half of the couple and and Then one of them passes away. Then yes, you're gonna. It's the same thing when I have when I have a couple in here. If I only talk to the female and I ignore the male in the couple, right. don't ignore then, Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, if, oh, I'm and... gonna lose him if she passes away. Right, right. and it's an interesting so I have thing
0: to... in the event of a death or in the event of a divorce. You could still maintain right. both clients if you have a relationship with both
1: of them. Exactly. And I have done that. You yeah. know, I have a, a couple that have divorced. I have two couples that have divorced and I've managed to maintain both of the Both, clients, parties? The, both of them as clients. Right.
0: <laughs> I think making that yeah, relationship can only help you as, a, as an advisor.
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so two more points, and um, you know, we briefly touched on this at the beginning, women are more likely to ask for sustainable, responsible investments, uh, and to make that a focus in their portfolio, and and we know that because there's been some studies that show that, and and more men are coming in and doing that as well, but women definitely are more interested, and, we, you know, on a, a, a additional note, we know um, millennials are more likely to ask for that as well, mm-hmm. so that's very interesting. And then finally, you know, women want us to to talk about their their needs and their experiences it, it's not just about performance so when when we do a review we shouldn't just say we shouldn't just launch into here's what your account did you know this this quarter or this year but you know how are you doing you know are, are there any changes in your life you know it, it, we really need to start with personal experiences and meet them on that personal level you know I have some male physicians and engineers they don't want to have that conversation Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we have to ask them some of those questions, but I don't lead with that because that's not what they want, you know, but we need to know what's changed in their life. So we know if we need to make changes in their portfolio, but I don't lead with that with them because they want the practical stuff first, but women, women want, and I don't, I don't want to sound like this is, you know, fluffy, but they, they do want to have a more emotional connection with their advisors. And I've, and, I've, in general.
0: I've heard mentioned that women tend to want to tell you, look, this is what I want to do when I retire and it's yes. kind of up to the advisor to figure out how much much money that is and what that means in terms of investments in the portfolio Yeah. and as opposed to a, a, a male client who might come in and say, I need $1.5 million or I'm going to yeah. need X amount of money to retire with. And then the goals sort of come after that. Whereas the female right. will lead with, these are my goals. How do we get there?
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, you know more men in general and we have to speak in generalities want you know the more practical side and then yes women are like this is my goal how do I get there you know how can you help me get there and 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 I I tend to see you know or, or have more women clients ask me how I'm doing how are my kids what's going on and so and you know I I, I have some that flip-flop the other way but you know it, it just depends but in general those are some generalities So so those are sort of my 10 simple rules.
0: I love them and I wanted to ask you in your Experience. Have you noticed that women tend to be more loyal as a client? Once you've won a female client over, I don't want to put it that way, but once once you mm-hmm. have the trust and relationship with a female client, have you experienced that they tend to stick around longer or more loyal in terms of their relationship with you as opposed to a male advisor or investor?
1: Yes, they do because there's I think more of a personal relationship involved in general. Yes, that when you when you have that personal relationship, it, it definitely a more loyal relationship. And if they do leave, I think it's harder for them to make that decision. You know, and, and it just depends on, on the reason. And the ones that do leave are because they are far away. You know, maybe they've moved to be with their kids and they feel like, I need to have someone closer. For that face-to-face
0: and relationship.
1: Right. And do you do you also
0: feel that when a woman recommends you as an advisor, that there is more weight given to that in terms of if you get a female to recommend to you as opposed to a male, do you feel like another female would take that more to heart, or do you feel that that's just kind of a wash?
1: I think when anyone is recommending me, it's from uh, a complete solid reason. So I, I don't know that it's, I think it's a wash. Uh, okay. If they're going to recommend okay. to me, it's 100% behind it. So, yeah, I, I think it's kind of a wash, yeah. That's interesting to hear.
0: Like we said, we had a we had a webinar recently that was had some of the some overlap with the, the rules that you gave us, and that was one of the questions that was asked during the question and answer period, and I just mm-hmm. thought I would ask you. So, Kim,
2: we're going to ask you questions now. Great escalate away how you got into
1: the finance industry? Yeah, I love that because um, it was by accident. I moved to Santa Fe a little over 20 years ago and I I had two young kids and I was looking for a part-time job and I thought I would go back to school and finish my degree because I, I was literally one semester short of finishing my bachelor's degree, you know, which is hard to do when you had kids. So I had, I had left school and so I interviewed for this part-time office position for a gentleman who did sustainable investing. And he hired me and after six months, Months, and, and he had, had brought in an, a, a recent business partner or someone he thought would be a business partner. After six months, I said to, to him, I said, I, I really love this. I love this sustainable investing. And I, I feel like I'm learning a lot and I'd like to get licensed. And he said, great, I'll pay for it. And I said, okay and so i sat down with his new business partner who was roughly my age and he you know i sat down and told him and he looked at me across his desk and he said why would you want to do that and i looked at him and i said because i'm not going to be somebody's secretary for the rest of my life and shortly after that he left <laughs> 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 yeah and um it was it was weird i got licensed and i worked as, as Richard's license assistant for a number of years and and he said to me after maybe two years he said you know i'd i'd like to you know, make this a more permanent thing. And I, you know, we, we became business partners and I eventually got my bachelor's degree. And then I went in, went on to get a, an MBA in sustainability. Well, that's, I mean,
0: that's great to hear. And I I wanted to know, I wonder what you wanted to be when you grew
1: up. I, you know, I, I think this is pretty common. I wanted to be a teacher when I grew up. And, and then um, when I was first in college, I, I spent time in a fifth grade classroom. And I went, oh god no I can't do this but you know what I am a teacher now I teach people about their money yeah and it is an amazing experience so I I've come full circle I am a teacher again so it's great that is great
2: so what lessons has your work life taught you
1: you know I thought about that and I think you know when I when I really think about what, what does life teach me And, you know, work life, especially when I went through 2008, it has taught me to be tenacious. You know, I'm a Taurus and people are like, oh, you know, you must be stubborn. I'm like, I am not stubborn. I'm tenacious. There's a big difference. You know, I, I can really stick things out and hold tight to what I'm doing. And and just make it work. So that's what it's taught me. That's really interesting. I'm a, I'm
0: a Libra, by the way. Um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so do
0: you plan on retiring? If so, you know, when?
1: if so, and how does that make you feel? I you know I, I, my wife asked me that. Will you ever retire? And I I think I will at some point down the road work part-time. And my youngest son is interested in coming into this business at some point, which I think is great. And But retirement for me looks like working maybe 10 hours a week. Or what I would love to do is live in Mexico for six months out of the year. I love the beach. I mean, you could work
0: around Mexico. You could set all your client meetings up in your six months (laughs) when you're in New Mexico. Exactly.
1: I completely could. And and I can work remotely if someone needs to, you know, talk by Skype or, you know, I have a cell phone. It'll work in Mexico. It's the beauty of um, technology. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. You know, I, I, I really want to be on the beach <laughs> for, for, you know, in the winter. I am not a, a winter person. I don't like to be cold. And so I would love to be in, in Mexico six months out of the year. So, so
0: i never been to
1: no, New Mexico. How cold does it get there? Because we're in the north. You know, next, so... next week, we're going to have another cold snap and we're going to spend a good 5 days where it's not going to get above freezing. Really? Santa Fe is high desert, you know, it's it gets cold okay. and yeah. it's very cold here so so, is your objection- so how I feel I mean I'm I'm very type a and I like to stay busy so I can't imagine saying I'm gonna retire and not do anything I, I won't do that I'll probably do a little of something for quite a while
2: is your objection to winter the snow and not the cold then
1: I, I like to visit my snow you know last year we didn't have any snow which is a problem here because it, it's high desert and it's dry and so we had a bad drought this year we're getting a lot of snow so yeah you know we, we get a lot of snow here, and that that's a problem. We have a ski basin, and and it's fine when I can go visit the snow there. But um, we're getting a lot of snow in town. We're going to snow tomorrow. <laughs> so we're supposed to get a
0: storm this weekend. It's supposed to drop almost two feet of snow on us. It's snowing right now.
1: Oh yeah, no, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> we will probably excited. get
2: you know, three or four inches. I'm working yeah. For home tomorrow.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm not excited. I'm excited.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I I couldn't do that. That would that would make me crazy. I am. I just don't like the cold. It's not my thing. So, <laughs> so that's my plan. That's
2: <laughs> I like it. A, that's a good retirement plan.
1: What else? What else have you got for me?
2: So what advice do you have for young women getting into the finance industry?
1: So women in the financial industry is growing. We're certainly seeing more. I think for a long time it was intimidating. And so I would tell women who want to get into this industry, do not be intimidated. There are more women coming into this industry than there ever have been before. And find a mentor and work with them. I think that's the biggest piece. And that's something I didn't do and I wish I had. I think it would have made it a lot easier for me, especially when I bought this practice because I worked alone and I wish I'd had someone that I could have called probably every day in in 2008 when when it got ugly. And I wish I had done that. So find a mentor to work with that will help you so much. So
0: one of the parts of the Bridge Initiative that we haven't launched yet, but that we're really excited about is
1: a mentorship program. Wonderful. (laughs) That will be wonderful. Hopefully you would be
2: willing to be a mentor to a young woman getting yeah.
1: into the industry. But we'll, we'll put that I call would back. love to do that. Yes, I would absolutely love to do that because it's something I didn't have and I really wish I did. You know, when, when I was doing this on my own, there were days I sat here and thought, what the heck am I doing? Can I do this? But that's where that tenacity came in, got me through. I'm like, of course I can do this. Just breathe in fact I still have a little sign on my computer that says breathe and I put that there in 2008 it's still on my computer I mean that's always a
0: the thing to do is to take a yeah. take a breath step back yeah I don't think that hurts your problem-solving skills no <laughs>
1: it doesn't So yeah, it doesn't hurt at all
0: you mentioned that you wish you had a mentor but were you given a piece of advice early in your career that has benefited you or what do you wish somebody would have told you when you were entering the industry
1: oh That's a hard question because I don't think there there isn't a woman who gave me a piece of advice, but Richard, who who I started in this industry with 20 years ago, told me probably many times, do what you think is best for the client, not what the client thinks is best for the client. And so I always did that, what I thought was right. And, you know, when I was working on my own, I had a client, a big account for me at the time very beginning. It's it's over a million dollar account. And that client wanted me to put her all in gold, 100% in gold. And I refused to do it. So she found someone who did and she left. And of course, what, what happened? Gold really tanked. And I felt really good about what I did. Even though I lost that client, I knew it was the right thing to do. And I remembered, you know, and I, I wouldn't do it because I remember what Richard said. Do what you think and believe is right for the client, not what the client thinks is right for the client. Again, it's that fiduciary duty doing what right. is right for the client, not what the client thinks is right for the client. That was great advice. And I still do that. It was painful to lose that over million dollar account, but I knew it was, it was the right thing to do. Sometimes you got to lose
2: one to win the war.
1: Yeah, exactly. Do you have an unstoppable woman
2: in your life? And if so, who is it? Can you tell me why she's unstoppable?
1: You know, I I suspect a lot of people will say this, but you know, my mom is unstoppable. You know, she raised two daughters and as a single mom, you know, she's still unstoppable. You know, my my parents who live in Oregon, I have a stepfather who has Alzheimer's and my mom takes care of him. They're now living in an assisted living facility because of my my stepdad, but man, what she has to do to take care of a a man with Alzheimer's, I just can't even imagine having to do that on a daily basis. And what she went through to raise two daughters in the seventies on her own, Whew, you know, here she is, still doing it, though, yeah. That's where I think I get my tenaciousness from, that tenacity. I think that it's really,
0: I can hear the love in your voice. Yeah. And it's really moving. And I think that that, I'm sure your mom would love to hear that.
1: Yeah, I've told her before, you know. I mean, I try to tell her a lot how much how much I appreciate what she's done for me. You know, I try to return the favor because you know her health isn't that great either anymore. And you know, I'm going out in a couple of weeks to see her, and you know, I do do what I can. I'm lucky to still have her around.
0: Yeah, and you should tell her that you made us get misty while you were talking about how much you loved <laughs> yeah. her. So then she I be am touched. a little misty. Yeah.
1: Got- I'm misty, everybody's misty. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so tell me if you could describe the industry in one word, what word would it be and why would you pick it?
1: Uh well oh the whole industry that's hard but i think if i focus on the sustainable investment industry the word i would choose is growing how rapidly it's growing is amazing and powerful i mean it's it's powerfully growing so so i would say growing you know as i mentioned earlier you and i started in this business i think it was 1 in 12 dollars and now it's 1 in 4 and that's over the course of 20 years that to me shows how much people care about the world, how they, how much they care about social justice, how much they care about the environment, how much they care about women in the C-suite. Uh, there are, are so many different factors, but it's growing. As
0: a follow up to that question, do you believe that finance still has that Wolf of Wall Street mentality?
1: No, most of this industry I don't think Looks at it that way. Yeah, definitely in the 80s and probably even into the you know early to mid 90s. Certainly, but I think we've seen too much. You know, I mean, look at how things went in you know 2000, 2001, 2002, and and even in 2008 and 9. I think that's really backed off a lot. I, I don't see it with even the the traditional advisors that I know, and I know quite a few uh, locally. I mean, I'm not on on Wall Street itself, but I don't see the people that I know don't act that way outside of the sustainable investment industry. And, and I'm speaking about that. I don't. I don't see that kind of attitude.
0: We feel like the industry is really changing as well here at FI360. And I think that the industry has that perception, that negative stereotype, the wolf of Wall Street. But yeah. once people right. get to really know advisors, that's not at all who they are. The vast majority of them. Um, right. I think that they're members of their community and they care and they want to see someone's goals and wishes fulfilled. You know, if you work with right. someone for 20 or 30 years and they finally reach that goal. Oh, that's huge and you're investing, yeah. and that's what most advisors are there's a changing perception but we still need to work to get rid of that Wolf of Wall Street stereotype
1: yeah, it's definitely a stereotype. and sure, there's going to be uh, a few people that fit into that, but I-, I think the majority are not. The quote, traditional advisors that I know are volunteering in their communities and doing a lot of things that they find important, and you know they're they're rotarians and they're, you know they're doing those things. so so no, i don't I don't really see that at all. So, Kim, our final question,
2: what do you believe stops women from entering the finance industry?
1: For a number of women, I think the expectation is that they're gonna to have to work from eight to five and they have family obligations. So I think that is a hindrance when they have to worry about what am I gonna do when my kids are sick and how am I gonna deal with my clients and, and that can be a problem. You know, I got very lucky working with someone who made it flexible for me. And I think that's it's a hindrance in, in any big job or you know, it, it's an important job. You have to be available for clients when they're nervous or when they need you. You know, having flexibility or someone who can back you up. Or help you is really important, so I think that makes it difficult for many women. So working with someone, working with a partner, or, you know, finding someone who can help you with that flexibility is invaluable. And sometimes people feel like the only way they can work in this industry is in a wirehouse, and that is simply not true. There are, you know, like I never worked in a wirehouse. I've always been. Much more independent than that, and there are ways to make that happen. And so we just have to make that known, right? And I think it's
0: actually a really great industry for women with familial obligations to get into because there is flexibility. It just it just depends where you end up, you know. Exactly. If you end up in a in a small RAA or small firm, or even a big firm that is more flexible with your time, I think that you could definitely work from home or arrange your meetings in a way so that you could be home with your sick children and. and maybe when your spouse gets home or you know, grandma or grandpa can watch them, you can go out and have your meetings or speak with your clients. phone. So I do think yep. a lot to offer women in this field. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This, this job can be a lot more flexible than I think people think it is. And that's what I love about it. So Kim, I wanted to
0: touch on how we started talking about the Bridge Initiative, you and I. I wanted to talk about our conference last year. You wanted to see more in terms of female speakers and diversity in terms of topics. And I wanted to tell you that this year's conference is going to be a lot more in terms of female speakers. We're going to have a lot more diversity of topics. and we're We're also going to have the Women in Finance Initiative networking event to be more. That whole concept of let's make this room look like the world Mm -hmm. in terms of diversity and females and males and people of all walks of life. I'm just really excited for this to be the beginnings of something new.
1: Yes, and it's, it's important and it's powerful. So I wanted to
0: just wrap up here. I can't say enough how much I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today, Kim. Podcast is called A Little Louder Now.
1: Thank you for joining
0: us today. I can't say enough how appreciative I am for your content.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. You guys have both been great, and I look forward to um, doing more of this with you guys.